Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prime poet designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch a bird of flack I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim thugging them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season to season vet I don't need respect, all I need to check Might check The Memphis Grizzlies are either broken They are drunk Or they are a combination of the two It, it, is, it is something happening With the current Memphis Grizzlies Uh or, or maybe we all just got our hopes up a little bit too early, and this is kind of who they are and who most of us expected them to be. I picked them to win 39 games, and they, they kind of look like they're heading down that path to roughly win that amount. And call me crazy, but I'd still say that's a successful season. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not even at Christmas yet. And, and in a way, you could probably blame me for this recent downturn because I said that I was calling it before Christmas that the Grizzlies were back. And technically, they are still back because they're a competitive, relevant team again. But, you know, my reverse jinx power is strong if you've been following me throughout my blogging career with grizzlybearblues.com. And it, it seems to be uh, still in peak form. Welcome. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Monex. So excited to have you with us, however you're listening to the show, whether it's live as we record on a Thursday night or whether it's on a subsequent day that follows, uh, heading into the week before Christmas. Thank you again for making grizzlybearblues.com and this podcast a part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience. It is much appreciated. Uh, We're having a good year over at the blog, and uh, we really do appreciate you all taking in our content and making us a piece of your Grizzlies puzzle. Uh, We got a lot to get to in this episode, and I thought after the week that was Memphis Grizzlies, from botched trades to rumored signings that don't happen, Obviously, the continued struggles of the Grizzlies. There's only one guy that I'd like to talk to for an extended period of time. If I'm going to do a one-person podcast where we can really dig deep into the mud, uh, the metaphorical muck that is the current situation for the Memphis Grizzlies, it's this guy. He's one of the very best Grizzlies writers out there. He used to write for grizzlybearblues.com. He now is his own uh, curator and content producer over on a Patreon or a Patreon page. Um, I wish he was still with us, but I was one of his first subscribers to the page. He does a tremendous job, and uh, he's very kind to join me for the next 30 minutes or so to try to talk about what the hell is going on with the Grizzlies or if this is who they've always been or did we get our hopes up or should I start believing Chandler Parsons again? He'll probably tell me to not do that last one. But anyway, my guest at this time, friend of the show, friend of grizzlybearblues.com, Mr. Matt Hard like a mat. How are you doing, sir, on this fine and dandy podcast before Christmas? Well, Joe, today was, or last night was the first night in about a month that I've gotten more than five consecutive hours of sleep. So I'm feeling like a, like a Superman. So you're saying I can extend this podcast. I can go even longer than I was hoping to. That's <laughs> terrific. I'm, I'm glad to hear I, that you're up I to could, the challenge here. A full well, the 31 method- minutes. 
maybe. There we go. 31 minutes. That's what I like to yeah. hear. That's all I need. Um, <laughs> well, with, with, with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, you could take entire hours talking about the, the various issues that are, uh, that are just plaguing them. Uh, it's just hard to put in the words at times, the, the different problems that they are encountering, some of them being self-inflicted. But let's start with the, the week that was in terms of potential transactions for this Grizzlies team. Because, uh, as you know, being a former member of the GBB staff, uh, when news breaks, you try to get it confirmed as best you can, but you also want to try to be one of the first ones out there. That's just kind of the world that we live in in terms of media. And, you know, there's several competitors uh, with GBB, uh, not direct competitors, but you're, you're trying to get those clicks, so to speak. So when the news of the Kelly Oubre acquisition went down, when it became a, a gospel according to Woj, so to speak, and it appeared that that was going to happen, um, I was pretty excited and I rushed to the computer to get the post up and then uh, the confusion between whether or not it was Marshawn or Dylan went down, and, and people kind of half-jokingly said, uh, wouldn't it be funny if Memphis thought they meant Marshawn and Phoenix meant they meant Dylan? Well, that's actually what happened, um, and, and uh, hilarity <laughs> ensued. Uh, I guess my first question regarding the trade that fell through that Friday into Saturday, uh, what in the world is the value to the Grizzlies of a Kelly Oubre, I, I think we're on the same page with this, at least from reading your stuff uh, and your Twitter feed, but what is the value of Kelly Oubre to Memphis in terms of what they should be willing to give up? For me, Marshawn Brooks and two second-round picks was a no-brainer. Dylan Brooks and two second-round picks, that was a bit too steep for me, knowing what Kelly Oubre would probably command in restricted free agency and knowing that he would probably still be a bit of a project coming from Washington an organization that uh, knows no bounds when it comes to its dysfunction. Yeah, I had a whole um, half-finished post uh, myself, <laughs> but uh, but I was going a little bit more in depth about my opinions about Kelly Oubre, um, and then you know the, the the trade got nixed. And you know what? I'm actually happy it got nixed because it, Kelly Oubre isn't good enough for us to like. I mean, it's so much better that we have this fake trade this false trade in our lives where we can make jokes about which brooks was uh i mean it was just so much more entertaining to have it not happen as opposed to have kelly Oubre. so i'm kind of glad that it didn't happen personally um but i mean in all honesty um kelly Oubre's okay like i i kind of view my uh, before i got into the numbers i was thinking to myself well i actually prefer Dylan brooks to kelly Oubre, but let me look at the numbers you know, I kind of viewed them as roughly similar, um, but Ubre gets to restricted free agency a year earlier, and um, so that's kind of a, a mark in, in Dylan's camp. Um, but what really came out of the numbers was Dylan, when people, I saw a lot of people saying Kelly Ubre, they wanted Kelly Ubre because he would be a great addition, and they, they were fine handing Dylan over. I think where I come down is that Ubre is the higher variance player. And that can be good and bad. That frankly, like he, we don't know. Nobody knows how good he is. He doesn't know. He he probably thinks he's way better than he is, but he doesn't even know how good he is because he is just wildly. He's got some strengths and he's got some really pronounced weaknesses. And night to night, what you're going to get is a good Kelly Oubre performance, a bad Kelly Oubre performance, another bad one. A kind of like you just don't 
no. Whereas I think Dylan is a little bit more of a consistent player. They're the same age. Um, they actually shot pretty similarly, like overall field goal percentage, but Ubre is a terrible three point shooter. And um, I just came down. I think Dylan's a better fit. And I think D- Dylan's the better player. Uh, although I could see worlds where if we had traded for Kelly Ubre and given up Dylan, that we could have maybe been better. But I, I think on balance, I, w- I would probably keep Dylan. I think in, if you look at it in terms of, you talked about the variance there, if you look at it in a vacuum and you say, okay, who is more talented, Kelly Oubre Jr. or Dylan Brooks? Kelly Oubre Jr. is more talented. you got to remember he came into the league at 19. Yes. He, he's entering restricted free agency off of a, uh, a draft pick, or excuse me, being a draft pick four years ago almost now. And, and as you mentioned, they're the same age. So Oubre has been in the league longer what would make me attracted to Ubre again, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, so I know all about Ernie Grunfeld and the absurdity that is the Washington Wizards organization. There are fans that literally would rather see them join the European Union uh, and go away than be a part of the NBA any longer uh, so they don't have to watch them at least as long as Ernie is in charge. And it doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I, I think that there is something to be said for getting a guy of that talent level of that potential versatility into a new system where there's a strong locker room and you see him grow. I think that is very realistic, Mm -hmm. especially considering his age, but you mentioned the fit with Dylan Brooks and that's what makes me pause because you already have Kyle Anderson, who in my opinion has leaps and bounds proven his value to the Grizzlies at this point, and they still don't use him right consistently. Oubre is not necessarily a direct, you know, kind of redundant player, but they're similar in terms of the way that they play, you know, the three and the four on the wing. Uh, there's a bit of redundancy there, not a ton, but a bit, whereas Dylan, when he's finally healthy, makes a ton of sense alongside Kyle. Anderson can allow for him to play off the ball, run off screens. Again, we talk about point forward, you know, no offense to Garrett Temple, but I'd rather see Dylan Brooks getting those opportunities alongside Kyle and Mike Conley than Garrett. Uh, now Garrett Temple will probably still start, but maybe Dylan is the six-man pseudo type of guy when he returns from injury here in the next week or two. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I'm glad they didn't give up Dylan. Uh, Dylan for Ubre straight up, maybe you could talk me into. But again, it's especially for a team that's hurting for draft picks moving forward, at least until that Boston pick conveys, hopefully this season. You, you don't want to continue to put resources into something, especially somebody like Ubre, who you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more than even Kyle made in free agency, restricted free agency, to, to keep him. That, that just feels like a lot of money for a guy. You're not exactly sure what you're getting. Yeah, you know, I don't – I wouldn't be opposed to them getting – like, I, I mean, he's not going to stay in Phoenix probably. I mean, if they, they will be shopping him, and if, they, if he stays in Phoenix, it'll be because they can't put together a deal they like. Um, I think that I think that they probably will trade him, and I think it will be for something that's around like, kind of like a lesser regarded young player and like a bad pick. And so Memphis, like if they want to trade Wayne Sheldon and a second round pick, I, I'm not going to beat them up about it. Like you know, I would take a gamble on Kelly Oubre because it really is a gamble. Like we just don't parsing what was the Washington mess and what was Kelly Oubre, like he hasn't really shown any like definable NBA skills other than sort of like running fast, jumping, jumping, you know, high. Um, He's athletic as all get out, but you know, skill wise and like nowhere to be wise. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he would be a good, I mean, he's not 
good at those things. And then also, frankly, like, you know, JBD's kind of proving to sort of like lean on veterans and lean on guys who don't make mistakes. And I don't know if Kelly Oubre is like the best guy to import and say, here you go, right. play him. you know, you know what I mean? So I don't think the fit is great, but I mean, like it, on balance, like actually the guy that I want, I mean, I want Austin Rivers. Like I think he would be a great fit. Which is uh, fascinating. Even though I'm not really a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of his, but you know, I think he's a bonehead, but you know, sometimes boneheads, help you win games, especially if they're willing to take shots. I mean, Memphis needs guys who can take shots, who are willing to take shots and can get, you know, to the rim. And Austin Rivers can do that. There aren't many guys that can do that. And he's, he's worth picking up. Like he's much more worth picking up than Joe, Joe Kim Noah. Well, and, and that is so interesting of you to say, at least to me. And I'm, this is one of the main reasons I'm glad we got you for the podcast this week, because as the week goes on and the Wizards and the Suns decide to make the trade on their own, which I guess Phoenix maybe wanted some second-round picks out of it, so maybe that's why they wanted a facilitation mm-hmm. with the Grizzlies. But they were able to do it themselves, Trevor Ariza for Ubre and Austin Rivers. And Phoenix, hilariously, uh, who needs a point guard uh, and who is trying to develop youth, decides that they're not going to keep the 26-year-old combo card in Austin Rivers. They, they decide to move on from him. Right. Austin Rivers agrees. He probably Now, there's probably more to it than that in terms of Rivers saying, I don't want to play in Phoenix. Good Lord. They're the one team in the West that isn't in the playoff picture. I want to get the hell out of there. So there's probably some of that, too. So anyway, Austin Rivers is available. And the report breaks from Shams that the Grizzlies are going to sign him. Now, that's another one where I run to the computer and I start typing up the article and I post it live. And, wow, the Grizzlies <laughs> are going to get off the rivers. I don't know how to feel about that. And then Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, does not post that specific team. He, he mentions that Rivers will be in the mix with several squads, but the Grizzlies aren't mentioned. Shams walks it back. And then, of course, Chris Harrington, who you and I uh, speak to on Twitter, and you have been on his podcast multiple times. Harrington, another one of the great Grizzlies writers over at the Daily Memphian. Um, Harrington reports that the Grizzlies aren't going to sign Austin Rivers at all. Now, I agree with your take on the Joe Kim Noah comparison, because to me, that's what it is. If you look through it at the, through the prism of he's going to be the 10th man on the bench, maybe get 14 to 16 minutes a game, maybe a little bit more. He eats into the time of Shelvin Mack, who we'll talk more about here in a moment, but hopefully we can all agree is not who we thought he was and was probably never going to continue to be that. And we've all said that um, it's just coming to fruition now, but anyway, Say Austin Rivers replaces some of those minutes, takes some minutes from a Wayne Seldon, a Marshawn Brooks, that sort of thing. Settles into an 18 to 20 minute a night role, maybe closes out some games where they need to try to make a run with offense. To me, that, that's valuable. But on your page, I was so surprised. You were very, very pro Austin Rivers. Now, the reason I was so surprised is the Jeff Green trade. Now, the Jeff Green trade involved a first-round right. pick, and I'm sure that's, you'll go into that here in a second as to why that is different than this. But a ton of advanced numbers hate Austin Rivers, like almost more than they yeah. hate Jeff Green in terms of his you know, tr- you know, real plus-minus and, and all sorts of different things, true shooting percentage. He's arguably one of the worst advanced analytic number players in the entire NBA. So when I saw that you were so fired up for him, I was like, well, damn, maybe I need to double-check myself and, and – because I respect your opinion a good bit. And after reading your post, it made a little more sense. Obviously, you're comparing apples and oranges with the Jeff Green trade, which gave up the first-round pick that we're all still talking about um, years later. Obviously, that is more of a detriment. But at the same time, it's not like – I guess to me, 
if you look at Austin Rivers like you look at Joe Kim Noah, it's a good idea to bring him in. But if you think he's going to solve the problems of Memphis, which we'll get more in depth with here momentarily, I guess I just don't necessarily see that. No, I mean, the guy, the, the things that can quote unquote fix Memphis's problems are super expensive and hard to get. So like, <clears throat> you just like, that's not the bar, you know, it's just like, it's so funny to me when people are like, when the conversation starts with, this is not going to help us beat the Warriors, you know, or this is not going to oh, help well, us. Well, like, that, yeah, you're right about bar, that. Guys. That's not the, that's not the bar. Like, let's, is, does this make us better? Does this marginally get us closer to fixing a problem? And like Rivers has been terrible this year if you look at his numbers I think that there is a rough argument to be made and a gamble that I would be willing to take because the price is is nothing the price is nothing um that giving him a defined role where he feels empowered to shoot shots I think he's one of the rare players that you give him a role like most times if you take a guy and you give him more shots and more volume, what happens is they take worse shots and they're all their percentages come down. Like as your usage goes up, all your field goal percentages goes down. But Rivers is kind of like, I think there's an argument that he is maybe the opposite or at least like he doesn't get worse because he gets to the rim, no matter the context, like he gets to the rim He's not good at finishing there, but he gets fouled a lot. And Memphis, that like if you can just envision instead of Shelvin Mack dribbling aimlessly and not being able to shoot a jump shot because the defense has figured out like he cannot get to the rim, if you can put somebody in that role that can get to the rim and and generate free throws, like you, this is a way for you to get offense. Even an Austin Rivers foul is better and keeps you afloat in the non-Mike Conley minutes. And then when you play him off Mike Conley, as long as you can put him on the worst defender on the other team, then or the worst uh, offensive player on the other team, between like the one to the three, giving him a sliver of space, he will get to the rim. Like he's just very good at that. And he, even for a high usage player, the other thing that I like about him is he actually turns the ball over like very rarely for a guy who has the ball and uses it as much as he does. So if you're looking at a guy who won't turn it over, who will get to the rim, I mean, he only makes like one out of every, just over one out of every two shots there, but that's still better than what Memphis has in non-Mike Conley minutes. Um, so that's the argument, you know? I mean, and, and, and the, the whole thing is just they give up nothing. Um, and, and I wasn't, I, sh- I was never anti-Joe Noah. I was anti-signing any big, that wasn't in the NBA because it just, it doesn't address their problem. They need guards who can handle people who can get to the rim, people who can generate shots. Um, Rivers won't pass the ball. He will not pass the ball, but at the very least he will get to the rim and get fouled. And that's better than what they have right now. In terms of solving the problem, and we're talking with Matt Hardlicka, formerly of grizzlybearblues.com, now uh, a current Patreon page, uh, creator and owner, he does a great job over there. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at the real H-R-D-L-I-C-K-A. Great follow, great uh, NBA and overall mind. Uh, he, he does a lot of the book stuff over on the Patreon page as well. Um, and I always learn something when I read those posts because I don't read any of those books. But that that makes me want to read those <laughs> yeah. books. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you credit for that. You do a good job reviewing some of those American novelists. Um 
Now, I, I, I'll ask you this, and I'm sure that stunned you that I don't read any of those books, but um, I'll ask you this I before won't you read any of your last book. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't say I didn't read books. I just did not read any of those books. Um, gotcha. Now, it's, it's one of those things where if you look at the Grizzlies, and, you, and I agree with you that their main issue is a creator and a scorer. Um, I know how you love Evan Fournier. And to me, that is the peak piece that is semi-realistic for them to obtain. Now, they would have to give up a lot. It would be expensive. I agree with you. And Orlando is still in the hunts, kind of. Uh, There's not a ton of incentive for them to move on from Fournier unless they're given a good deal. It would obviously have to be centered around something that's a Jermichael Green, Garrett Temple, some salaries match. How far would you go? to bring Evan Fournier here, just again, acknowledging that that's hypothetical. There's no rumors. There's no speculation, no sourcing on this. If that is, because that's the name that I put at the top of the list in terms of semi-realistic, they could possibly get this guy if they're willing to overpay. What would you be willing to pay to get Evan Fournier on this, in, uh, this grouping of Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I don't, First of all, Orlando is not trading him because they're still in, they're in the playoff race for the first time right, in a long exactly. time. Exactly. But let's just assume they fall out of it and it's near the trade deadline. I would the thing about it is the way to improve the team is to trade Chandler Parsons. But any Chandler Parsons trade you can come up with in the season is not as good as a Chandler Parsons trade in the, in, in the summer. Because right. it goes from having two years to having just one year, and then you can start to really like. I can't even really come up with the trades. Um, but like, for instance, if you wanted to get, go get Otto Porter, let's just assume Otto Porter is on Washington uh, by the end of the year. They, like the whole team, Washington team is is there. It's in the summer. They didn't make the playoffs. They know that they're going to stare at another luxury tax bill. You could probably swap Chandler Parsons for Otto Porter straight up. And let let them stretch Chandler Parsons, you know. Wow. It gets them out of luxury tax, you know. I mean, like, think about that. Like, it, that's a long. Well, that'd be awesome. But yeah, it's awesome. But but you, 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 any Chandler Parsons trade you can think of right now is okay. This is a ter- <laughs> This is terrible. You're not fixing anybody's problem. You have to attach something to that. Um, as far as Fournier, like, yeah, I, I don't know how far I would go. I I probably wouldn't trade a first round pick just because. It, Gasol's um, got the player option. If he opts out, that first round pick <laughs> really, really hamstrings you because you just don't. The, Memphis doesn't know what their team is going to be next year. They're either going to be building around J- Jaron Jackson as they're really their only big, or they're going to be retooling around Gasol Conley. You know, I mean, they may want to. If Gasol leaves, they may want to trade Conley. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but they may want to and just rebuild. But if they have Gasol, maybe they want to, instead of trading um, what would be a 2020, uh, 2021 first round pick, maybe they want to, they can trade one earlier once they get out of um, the Celtics deal. You know, the Celtics pick conveys this summer. They can immediately trade another first round pick. Gives you a little bit more. If you know Gasol's coming back, it gives you a little bit more control over what that is. So I don't know. I mean, I think Evan Fortney is probably the wrong target to aim at right now I mean I would be I would be searching around for whatever you can get for Jermichael Green plus seconds whatever that is or some kind of scrap heap like another team is going to make a a mistake like 
Wayne Selden plus Marshawn Brooks for Kelly Oubre type thing. Like, I think that was, that was Memphis saying, wait, we can get him for that. Like, let's do it. Let's do it and figure it out later. Um, that's kind of what, what I would be trying to do. The one guy I've been thinking about a lot is actually, uh, and, and this is another one where you're going to be like, yeah, Matt, they're not going to trade him is Phoenix and TJ Warren. I've been really thinking like he shoots so much and he shoots from like, you get usage from a weird spot on the court, which is like the a small forward power forward. So there's a lot of interesting things you could do with him in between Gasol who won't shoot and Kyle Anderson who won't shoot. <laughs> you can kind of like, put him in a spot, a usage spot. Um, and like he, he will shoot. So it's just, it's, I don't, but I don't know how good he is. That's a problem. I'm really torn on how good, um, TJ Warren is. Well, he would fit the mold in terms of the uniqueness. I mean, again, Kyle Anderson really fits the unique kind of skill set. you know, trying to be different. If Memphis is trying to be different, TJ Warren would be another guy that's on that radar. Uh, It would take you another step away from three-point shooting mattering very much to you. Uh, I don't think, and I haven't <laughs> double-checked his numbers this year, uh, but, I've, no, he, but I know that's he's the thing, not. That's the thing. He's been good. He's been good this year at three-point. So that, yeah, I, that's I'm, a difference like, then. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm like, I don't think that's real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I wouldn't call him a three-point I would need shooter. To see more. You're 100% right. Yeah. Right. I yeah. would need to see more of that. Um, but, no, I, I think that's – but you're exactly right. He, he's a more expensive Kelly Oubre, and we say he's more expensive, but that's probably what Kelly Oubre is going to be making or, or the ballpark of what Kelly Oubre is going to be making next season after he gets his restricted free agency. I could see Oubre getting a $9 million, $10 million a year contract. Sure. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, we're finishing sure. up here with Matt Hardlicka talking about uh, the craziness that was the Grizzlies and, and what potential targets they may have now that we know that they're at least willing to listen and willing to be a part of the trade deadline that most media folks are saying is going to be more quiet. So we could spend an entire another 30 minutes on this, but I know I don't have that much time with you, Matt. So the question of the day today was an interesting one. At least I think so. I wrote it. So that's why I think it was interesting. Who is most (laughs) responsible for the recent slump of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I gave the fans four options, almost four, 340 folks voted. So thanks to everybody who participated in the poll. Uh, you have Marcus all who obviously has been terrible slumping horribly, uh, especially in the month of December, uh, especially offensively defensively. He's still doing some pretty sound things, but he needs to be a two way player. And he hasn't been uh, next is Shelvin Mack, who I, I <laughs> It's probably unfair to say he's the root of the all, of all evil on this because he's a reserve basketball player uh, and he's only playing the minutes that his head coach is giving him, which I'll get to in a moment. But he's not very good, um, and, and he's kind of regressed back to his mean of being an average to below average basketball player, and he's getting more time than he probably should be getting. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, who has run – uh, let me pull it up real quick. I mentioned it in the report card over at grizzlybearblues.com today. Uh, Fast Break Breakfast tweeted this out, and I included it in the post. Uh, pulling it up. Here we go. For the 16th consecutive game, including last night, the Grizzlies have used a different lineup combination to start the second quarter. So that, that's not a rotation. There's no rotation there. You're, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall trying to see what sticks. That's what that is. Um, so is it J.B. Bickerstaff and his inconsistency, or is it Chris Wallace who put this whole damn thing together? Now, I think to, to blame Chris Wallace for this current swoon isn't necessarily fair, or the Grizzlies front office, if you're a believer in Chris Macris and John Hollinger and, 
and those types being more involved than they let on publicly. Uh, I think their moves this past summer would maybe lend themselves to that. Although trying to trade for another Kansas product and Kelly Oubre does, does that <laughs> off the, the Chris oh, Wallace alarm. Oh man, I didn't even um, think of that. That's yeah, a great that's just off the Chris I did Wallace not even alarm. think about that. Um, so oh, maybe man. Chris Wallace is still in the mix. Um, uh, but anyway, um, he, this, the front office with Chris Wallace still as the leader in air quotes, uh, whether you believe that or not, um, you know, everybody has an opinion. Um, but anyway, they had a good summer and I'm not going to critique them for that because I do think they took chicken, you know, poop and turned it into chicken salad as best they could, uh, given the Chandler Parsons contract, as you mentioned, and, and all the other issues that, that have gone along with the trading of first round picks in the past few seasons. Um, so I don't think he's the current root of the all of all the evil, but Shelvin Mack finished in last, which was kind of surprising. I thought he finished third. Uh, Chris Wallace at 21% was third. Marcus Gasol at 27% was second and JB Bickerstaff at 42% of the vote out of about 340 folks that voted. Uh, he's the one who got the most votes for being the most responsible party for the Grizzlies struggles. So you look at their schedule and it's not just a blip on the radar anymore. It's not a cold streak. Uh, they've lost six of their last seven games. They've lost 10 of their last 14 games. Um, I think it's fair to say that this is who they are. You know, a lot of people, you know, Vegas and the over-unders had them at about 34 and a half, I think it was, when the season started. I put them at 39 wins, which people saw as optimistic as the time at the time, uh, at least people in the media. Uh, fans obviously think that they could make the playoffs, and the fast start added to that. And, of course, the Grizzlies are still in that hunt, even after their cold play. But to me, and I say this in the report card over at grizzlybearblues.com for the, for the Blazers game, Number one, this is probably who they are. This is what they're going to be, barring a major trade where they're able to disrupt and wake up their offense somehow for a Fournier or somebody like that. They are what they are, and that's okay, because they're still a hell of a lot better than what they were last year. They're relevant in the Western Conference again, and they're competitive. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, dreams of or or illusions of grandeur with what the grit and grind era was. Half the time, they were fighting for the 7 and 8 seed in the playoffs. So that's what they're at, and that's probably what they're going to be, and and that's okay. You know, it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative, as we saw last season. But I do think that part of the problem, you know, if Marcus all struggling, then any coach is going to struggle with this roster. But J.B. Bickerstaff struggling with rotations, struggling with trusting a guy like a Javon Carter or an Ivan Rab. now that, and again, he was struggling earlier in the year, but I think Rab is showing that he's earned some opportunity. Of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been talked about at length. Um, he looks like he's repeating the sins of Grizzlies coaches past in terms of not trusting these young guys and leaning on below average veterans. And that can be frustrating, especially when you see numbers like Jermichael Green having a negative 25 in 21 minutes or a negative 23 in 22 minutes for Shelvin Mack. In-game plus minus individually is, is a very flawed stat. But when it's that drastic, Matt, I feel like you would say, you know what, that guy probably shouldn't play. And there's evidence within the game against Portland that suggests that he sees that. Wayne Seldon was struggling too, but he only played nine minutes and had a minus 12. He continued to lean on Jamichael. He continued to lean on Shelvin. It's like he has no other better idea or he doesn't trust those young guys. And because of that, Memphis is kind of caught in between where they're not fully developing the young pieces that they do have, and they're still not seeing success on the court, at least of late. So who do you hold most responsible uh, for the current slide of the Grizzlies, or, or maybe it's just this is who they are, and we ne- shouldn't necessarily be too surprised by it. 
So I did actually answer your poll question, but I want to know, did you answer your poll question? When you put up a poll, do you vote in your own poll? I vote using the, the main SBN Grizzlies account, yes. That's where I vote. Gotcha. Um, so, so who reading between the lines, I think you voted for JBG, JBB, right? I actually voted for Marc Gasol. I think that Marc Gasol, that is, okay. Okay. I, I think that, again, JB Bickerstaff is a big part of the problem. But I do think that you have to look at <laughs> if, if you have two guys who are paid a whole bunch of money, and obviously Chandler Parsons, as we yep. mentioned earlier, that, that's its own issue entirely. You have two guys that are paid a whole bunch of money, and one of them's earning it, Mike Conley, and the other one's not, at least not offensively right now. It's natural that your team's going to struggle, and I don't know that Greg Popovich could save them. So to me, the, the current run is Marcus Gasol's fault, but in a way, you could argue that's also J.B. Bickerstaff's fault because he refuses right. to own it and say, I'm the head coach. You don't run this team, Mark. Clearly struggling. Right. You're banged up. You're tired. You sit. sit your tail on the bench, and we'll see you in a day yeah. or two. And I think he's either Man, you might have, you might have just convinced me. You, you might have just convinced me because uh, you, what you just said is 100% right. Like, I voted for Mark, um, but it's more of, like, Mark should not be playing because he literally cannot jump straight up and down. Like he, Clearly. When he's getting a rebound now, he doesn't even, he doesn't even jump. When, one thing I've always noticed about him is on his three-point shots, if he – he almost is like unsure of how he's going to land. So he tried, he's always shot a set shot, but he, he now is shooting where he's leaning back or he's leaning forward. Like he never quite, so he's just always off balance. Um, and for big guys, I think that the balance on the shot is like the most important thing, like even more important than a guard. And that's just something I think I don't, I don't have an actual, like no coach has ever told me that it'd be kind of interesting to get an opinion on that. But like, he just needs to sit. He's not, he's not right. And this team needs him. Like they they can lose to any team in the league with this version of Gasol. Like I tweeted that this morning, like they can lose to Atlanta with Gasol, just frankly, not being able to shoot. He, I was looking up his splits month to month. He's shooting after shooting in November, uh, 49% from the field, which had a, a healthy dose of three point shots in there. He's now shooting 36% in December. You like Horrific. for a big man, for a big man making one, barely one out of every three shots. Like that's just, it's unplayable. Um, and, and, and he is still doing a lot of work defensively. Like just, he's clear. He's almost playing like a tight end, like a blocking tight end where, right. you, you know, like, I, okay, I'm in here on a passing down to block, but, but, the, the the offense is clearly giving up one of their pass receivers. Like that's what he's doing. He's in there to protect the paint and move. But um, so I, I voted for Gasol, and I think I think um, it's a little unfair because it's not it's not a talent or production. I mean, it's just simply he cannot move and he needs to sit. So well, and I even if it's only one game, I think you saw what wonders it did for Mike Conley. Now. You could also argue him chucking 10 threes uh, in the Portland game shows that he wasn't fully ready, uh, at least not mm-hmm. as aggressive as he was. But these guys haven't had days off or games off, and they're getting into lengthy parts of the schedule. They're not spring chickens anymore. I mean, Marcus Saul is the oldest guy on the team, I'm pretty sure. He's 34 years old. He is somebody who got injured, if you remember, with the ankle and 
And everybody's like, oh, my God, yep. Mark's hurt. What's going to happen to Mark? And, and then, oh, nope, I'm okay. And he trotted himself back out there. But that, that's kind of been a line where all of this has happened. And to me, uh, I would play him against Sacramento because I think that he defensively needs to be in there against Aaron Fox, who is a problem, by the way. I love watching that dude play. He's been a massive improvement for the Sacramento Kings. Um, but you yeah, need awesome. him I, for, for that game, I think, in terms of keeping defensive rotations right. And then if you look at the structure of the Lakers, and you look at the two days off that they have after the Lakers game for Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the Grizzlies are off, and then they play the 26th at home, I would give Mark against the Lakers. I wouldn't play him. I would sit him down. And, again, this is where it's JB's fault. You have to take ownership of the team. The, the, the fact that this is a question, that this is a problem still, adds credence to the idea that the players hired the coach, not the front office. And, and if that's the case, then he's, never gonna, he's always going to have his legs cut out from under him because they essentially run the team. He's in that spot because the players want him to be. Now, I don't know how fair that is to the front office. That's speculation and, and fans getting frustrated. But when you do things like this and you can't stand up to a player and say, you are physically not capable of giving what we need you to give. Whether you're Marcus Gasol or LeBron James or whoever the hell it may be, to me, it becomes your fault. Because the player wants to play. Marcus Gasol is tough as hell. And we've seen him multiple times play through injuries, even worse than this. But for anybody who's watched this team for an extended period of time, this isn't Mark getting old. This isn't a sudden slap in the face from father time. He's just physically not right, and you've got to give him an opportunity to get healthy because without a healthy Mark and Mike, without those two contributing at high levels consistently, this team is going nowhere. And if the goal is to let that pick convey, the bottom will fall out if Gasol is not able to get right and Mike Conley is not able to get right, and I'm worried that they're not managing, even beyond the Shelvin Mack and Jermichael Green stuff. Because, yeah, hell yeah, that's frustrating, and, and I'd like to see – Guys like Javon Carter get chances, and, and I hate watching Shelvin Mack, and I had a nightmare where Shelvin Mack and Austin Rivers might be on the court at the same time, and I wanted to gouge my <laughs> eyes out, but that didn't happen. But anyway, that, that's me being a fan. As somebody who steps aside and tries to look at it through the lens of a coach or the lens of sport and you know, is looked to for my analysis for some reason, I understand why he wants to do that. But at the same time, you have to take ownership of it. You can't just say, oh, well, there are veterans, and that's who we go with. Well, if it's not working, you've got to make a change. Oh, well, Marcus All is one of our leaders. He says he can play, he's going to play. You have to take ownership. You are the head coach, and that is where JB is at fault. So I, I think in terms of the on-court product, Marcus All's issues are the reasons they're struggling. But in terms of them not being able to get out of the mud, in terms of them going a step forward and then two steps back, it's because J.B. Bickerstaff continues to shoot himself in the foot and isn't allowing for this roster to get healthy in a way to be most successful for him as a head coach. Yeah, I don't – I mean, everything you're saying is right, but the counter is that literally no coach has ever been able to sit Mark. You know, like – No, you're they, exactly they right. Rested him, they, they rested him when Fizz was here, but that was like clearly against Mark's will and – didn't didn't yeah, end up worked like, out real well for Fizdale, right? You're right, right, right. Exactly. So you know, I don't know. I I think it. I th- I think I think that's sort of an unfair bar um, to sort of lay it at JBB's 
feet, but at the same time, everything you're saying is right. Like it is, it is the coaches. If, if, if you hired uh, JB, JBB because he had a good relationship with Mark and, and while that I'm not going to parse and you know, that's the decision-making process is, is opaque. We don't know what the final, like how they, right. what went into the decision, but let's just say some of that was what, who the players wanted, like some percent, even if it's 1%, but that 1% isn't giving you dividends where, Right now, where where he's able to bend Mark's ear and te- and tell him like clearly, you you need to sit like so, um, that's sort of been a one way street. Um, but you know, I, I I just he needs to sit. He's not going to sit. He's going to keep playing. Everybody's trying to win games. Um, you know, it's just the, the next game is the most important game. And um, I mean, if I and the other part of it is that you can't play the game where you're like okay, well, if he gets five days rest, he will be 100%. Because that's not the case. It's, it, everybody's body's right. different. You can't, it's not a formula where you can just plug in, you know, numbers. It's, it's well, you know, he's hurting. And, and then Gasol's always been sort of a – he's gone through shooting funks and playing funks before that aren't even connected to physical stuff. It's, uh, you know, I kind of speculated, like, maybe – maybe a rest would just give him a mental reset, you know, just to like catch his breath and be like, okay, I can, I can get some shooting in or what, what have you. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to trust the coaches to know what makes the players tick and clearly playing as many minutes as possible is what makes Marcus all tick. So who am I to argue, you know, we'll I'll get you out of here on- during the games. There, That's exactly right. I, I've got some, uh, I got a 12 pack of Stella Artois. For my uh, for my viewing the next couple of days, I just love to say the words that way. <laughs> um, but we'll get you out here on this, Matt, real quick. The Grizzlies will play three games between now and our next podcast. We will record on the twenty seventh. I wasn't going to, but since I've fallen through the past couple of weeks, I'm going to. So December twenty seventh, we will record a show. Uh, the Grizzlies play Sacramento, of course, on Friday night. Then they're at the Lakers on Sunday, as we discussed, and then they have a home game against the hapless Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Again, Memphis has won one of their last seven games. What's the realistic hope of them going two and one out of these next three, or should they just hope to try to get one of them? I mean, they can lose all three. If Casal's playing right. this way, they can lose to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. So, you know, I mean, it's one and two is not uh, realistic, like a, a dead set thing. I mean, it's probably the most likely. I think they probably are underdogs in Sacramento. Um and then obviously would be underdog. Under, Both of those are away, right? They're still. Yep, they're, they're still, still on the West Coast. Trip. Yeah, yeah, and those are always brutal. I mean, one and two is the most likely. Um, if you could get, I mean, on, frankly, I would sit him in all the games. I would send him home. I would send him home and not let him play in Sacramento either. Although he probably would like to stick it to Jaeger too. So maybe you play him in that game. Right. Don't play uh, him I think in LA. I... So I'm kind of on board. I'm on board with your plan. I would play him against Sacramento. I'd send him home on that Saturday, and I'd say, go enjoy the holiday. You're away for four days. Yeah. We'll see you shoot around on the 26th and, and hope that he's kind of reset after that. Because, again, after the Wednesday yeah. game against Cleveland, we, we'll have a recording on Thursday, and then they play Saturday against Boston. Now, Boston obviously is no slouch, but they've underachieved to this point this year, and it's going to be another two days off. It's a chance for them to get their feet back under them a little bit. So I, I, that's how I would do it. I'm not an NBA head coach, and J.B. Bakerstaff has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. But just from, from afar, 
seeing his body language and seeing him, like you said, he can't move. He can't jump the way that he's capable of, especially on the offensive end and rebounding, which the team continues to struggle with. Uh, that remains an issue. Matt, thank you so much. I kept you over a little bit here. I appreciate your time as always. Great stuff. Make sure you guys are checking out his Patreon page. Follow him on Twitter at the real Hardlicka, H-R-D-L-I-C-K-A. Matt, thank you. We'll have you on down the road, of course. All right. Be good, Joe. Take care. All right. Thank you. There he goes. Matt Hardlicka at the real H-R-D-L-I-C-K-A. Make sure you're giving him a follow. One of the best followers on Twitter. One of the best Grizzlies writers out there. Big fan of his. Uh, and I love having him on the show. Great insights into the Grizzlies and their current woes. Juicy sizzling steak, hand-tossed original dough, a four-cheese blend, and Papa John's creamy signature Philly sauce. It's like the best cheesesteak sandwich ever, but way better, because it's on a pizza, which means you can share it. So show some brotherly or whateverly love and get yourself one today. Right now at Papa John's, get a large Philly or any large specialty Papa John's pizza for just 12 bucks. Yes, 12 bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. At participating U.S. stores, prices may vary. Taxes, tip, and fee extra. We're finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Uh, As I mentioned, our next podcast will be December 27th. We will indeed record that Thursday night. And hopefully we're looking at a team that's above 500. Because if they go one and two over these next three games, they'll be 17 and 17. And, you know, again, right now they're on the outside looking into the Western Conference playoff picture. It's going to be challenging for them to kind of find their footing and get back on top of this thing. But it's possible. They have to get Marcus all right first. That's the key. And then obviously that connects to J.B. Vickerstaff getting his rotations right as well. And having Dylan Brooks back should be something that helps as well, of course. Thank you to Matt Hardlicka, my great guest this week. Thank you so much to everybody over at grizzlybearblues.com who's doing a remarkable job writing for the blog. Uh, Great content day in and day out from game coverage to features, podcasts, uh, the hustle report from Brandon Abraham. There's so many great pieces that are going up on a daily basis. The strength of grizzlybearblues.com is our staff, and I am thankful for them as I am always, but especially this time of year as we uh, look at the end of 2018 and heading into 2019. Uh, not just in Grizzly Bear Blues, but all around. And thanks to you for listening again, making us a part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience. Uh, I will be back next week, and we will take a closer look at these three games. Hopefully the Grizzlies have figured some things out. It's a challenge, of course, and Chandler Parsons uh, being the X factor there in terms of the reasons that they are so inflexible. But they've done the best they can, and hopefully they're able to get Mark healthy and find themselves once again. So again, thank you for listening wherever you are, however you may be tuning in to the podcast. Thanks to Matt once more. I am your host and GBB site manager, Joe Molinax. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Grind forth. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.